fall into the trap of answering Sam about the old guys. But I think I'll just stay away from that. Age has dignity, something that you have to learn about. Did I say I wasn't going to say anything? <laughs> I lied. <laughs> Church is great. I enjoy it because I come here and I'm with people who love Jesus like I love him. And that's the greatest feeling that I can ever have. I may dress differently, wear my beard differently, talk like a South African and be a bit weird. But Jesus Christ is Lord of us all. Man, and that blows me away. And so I'm going to start traditionally like the old guys start, you know. We're all going to say our Father together, if you don't mind. So here we go. I say the King James Version, but if you'd like to say the Message Version or the whatever, go for it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Who's been watching Tara's photos on Facebook? They're awesome. I have so many fond memories, and just seeing Tara's memories just reinforces it. But the one part I'm glad I didn't do is sometime this week she walked 10 kilometers from the Mount of Olives to goodness knows where. And I said, thank God for tour buses. <laughs> but it's awesome to see that. I think I can't wait for her to come back and to share her experiences with us and, and the things that God has dealt with us. And so if I can give anybody encouragement, it would be if you're able, go. For what it's worth. The theme this month is relationships. And in the previous two weeks, um, Tara has set the tone. So I'm going to try and come from a slightly different point of view and to try and see it from, from God's point of view about his relationship with us. And in doing that, uh, I thought about it. And, and I have a title that, that maybe I hope defines it. It says, Ordinary people with an extraordinary God. Ordinary people with an extraordinary God. And then, um, if any of you watch TV, you'll see old Joel Osteen, when he begins to preach, he says, he says the following thing, and you can see I'm cribbing the notes, you know. He says, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught by the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, in Genesis, we meet God. In Genesis 1, we meet God. And the first time the revelation actually struck me, it was like, wow. Because it says, 
in the beginning God. Now we have to take a step back and say, there was nothing. There was, there was nothing. So our minds can't comprehend that, but take my word for it, there was nothing. And so we have science and all these guys telling us about the Big Bang Theory. But I think if what Sam said, if we, meet, if we let God's halfway meet us, then I can imagine what it was like when he said, let there be light. It must have been so awesome that even today we're still enjoying the light. We're still enjoying it. We're still walking in it. And that's where we meet God. We meet God where he, he creates Adam. And he begins this relationship with Adam. And he realizes that Adam has a need. And so he creates Eve. Unfortunately, out of the rib, he should have used something else. But anyway, be that as it may. He creates Eve. And here he has these two people. And he, he, he only gives them one instruction. He says, don't eat from the fruit. That's all. He says, everything else you can do, don't eat from the fruit. And what do they do? They eat from the fruit. Why? Was it disobedience? Was it narcissism? Was it, I can do it better than God? There are several theories, but I think it was just this. I want to do it. There's a limit. There's a boundary. Who spoke about boundaries a little earlier? There's a boundary. Like the teachers. So I'm the relief teacher. And uh, as a South African, we beat you up. So... so <laughs> But you understand, and, and so God reveals his love at that point when he kills an animal and he clothes them. I mean, if I was God, you know, my wife says it's a good thing that I don't have supernatural powers, you know. Because there'd be a lot of dead people lying around. <laughs> and so, fortunately, grace triumphed because I don't have those powers. But God drew them in love. He didn't reject them. He didn't say, you failed. He didn't say, what dofies you are, guys are. He, he, he drew them closer. And he said, come to me. Come to me. I've read uh, Gene Edwards' book. I don't know if any of you have read it. The Divine Romance. Nobody? See, God has this romance with us that has been coming through thousands of years. A love story. He keeps saying, come to me. Come to me. And we keep saying, nah, next week, next month, next year. You know what I mean? I first got to buy my boat. First got to buy my fishing rod. I first got to... God just calls us. And He never holds it against us. He never says, okay, that was your last chance. Now, Zippo, China, you gone. You out of here. Goodbye. He doesn't. He keeps saying, come, come, come. A lot of us say, we don't hear God speaking. Nah, nah, nah. You hear him speaking, mate. Hey? When you wake up at 9.35 on a Sunday morning and you're thinking, should I go to church or not? Huh? Especially for Sam, this one. Huh? Should I go to church or not? <laughs> and suddenly you get that, I've got to go. I've got to go. Where does that come from? You're walking in the, in the shops and you bump somebody. And the usual culture is, oh, give him another shoulder, you know what I mean? But you're the one that turns around and says, Whoa, sorry, man. Be blessed or something. It's the difference. It's that, that difference. And I know there's a lot of young people who are thinking, Ish, get up. But anyway. So, so 
we come along with this whole gospel story and it, it comes to how do we know God loves us? How do we really, really know He loves us? Hey, you guys are scared of me. This is a, the relief teachers, the relief teachers inculcated fear. But anyway, we know it because in John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He loves us. End of story. You see, God instituted Exodus 20, and, and you can read it, it's the Ten Commandments. But, and we have so many different theories of why God instituted the Ten Commandments. But the one I like is that God brought the Ten Commandments so that we could see that we couldn't do this life on our own. It was too difficult. There was just no ways we could cut it. Not, not uh, hoping wherever. We couldn't cut it. And so Jesus comes along and he says, I'll cancel the writ of the law so that you do have a chance. So that you do have the opportunity. So that you can be in relationship with me. So God, in, in, in instituting the Ten Commandments, he also brings sacrifice. So, and what was the purpose of the sacrifice? Was well, so that once a year, they could go there and say, Lord, here's my sheep. Let him take the blame for what I did this year. And let his blood be shed so that for another year, I can live and my crops can prosper and whatever. And that's how they went. But God, who was behind the curtain in the temple, was so frustrated can you imagine this God who created the universe and created us and created everything wants to reach out and take your hand and say, let's rock and roll. But he couldn't because he was behind a curtain. Can you imagine the God of the universe is behind a curtain and he loves you so much and there's nothing he can do to reach you? Not a single thing. He can pour His Spirit on kings, priests, and prophets. That's it. Kisses. So if you weren't a king, a priest, or a prophet, China, you had no hope. Then He thought of this great plan. And I think He thought of it long before Adam and Eve made the mistake. He said, I'm going to send my son. And I'm often reminded of the story, and some of you might have heard it, of a Canadian goose farmer. I need to say geese farmer. <laughs> Canadian goose farmer. In the middle of winter, it's blowing a gaze. A gaze? A day, whatever. You know, you know what I'm saying. Eh? And here come these wild geese. And they're totally lost because it's a blizzard. And they land on his pond, which is now frozen. And so he thinks, he looks out the window, he says, if I can just get them into the barn, they'll survive and they can carry on the journey. So he goes out there. And he's going, have you heard the story? Uh, and he, <laughs> he goes out there. I hope I'm acting it out well. And he goes out there and he says, shoo, 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 you little geeses. And none of them move. They, they just check him, honk, honk. So he thinks, what can I do? Because he's now really concerned. He's a, he's, a, he's a goose lover, you know. So he goes into his barn and he finds his prime gander goose. Is that what they are? I suppose so. Anyway, he finds him and he runs outside and he puts him down 
other side of the lake and the barn's there. And this goose says, I'm out of here. It's too cold. And what do you think the other geese do? And the farmer closes the door. Tush, tush. And the geese are safe. Well, that's exactly what God did to you. He sent his son to become a man so that when you think this is too hard, he says, ah, but my son did it. How can it be too hard? My son did it. And so, yeah, we've got things that happen in our lives and we've got things that go right and go wrong and whatever. But he comes and he says, my son did it. And you see, he didn't send his son to be an example of how great we can be or how good we can be. He sent his son to say, this is who you are. This is who you are. And the only way you're going to live that life is by having his son inside of you. Because if he ain't inside of you, how are you going to feel the mold? How are you going to feel the similarity? You have to have him inside of you. You see, the day Jesus Christ was crucified, we read that the veil was torn. Why was the veil torn? See, a lot of people say the veil was torn so that we could get into the Holy of Holies. I think the veil was torn so that God could get out. So that he could come to you and take your hand. Hey? God could say, as it dunks. I'm so glad you stopped surfing and you came to me. No, but don't stop surfing. <laughs> but you understand, that's what God wanted. He wanted to connect with you in a real way. He doesn't want to connect with you through some priest, some sacrifice, some... No. If we think about the power that was released when Jesus Christ died, that moment he died, it says, the foundation of the earth shook. The heavens were shaken. Dead people were seen walking around in the streets. He wasn't putting on a show. That's God. That's God meeting you halfway. And so often we hear about people saying, oh, uh, when I can do it a little better, I'll come to God, you know, or, or I'll do, no. God's not interested in effort. He's interested in belief. Do you believe I did it all? Do you? It's not an open question. Do you believe God did it all? Because if you believe he did it all, you realize there's nothing you can do to add to that. It is a completed work. And if it is a completed work, you have a responsibility. Hey, you didn't think about that, eh? You got it for free, but there's a responsibility. Eh? There's a responsibility. If I gave you a million bucks, let me pick on somebody here. Somebody with a nice, intelligent face. Yeah, if I gave you, Josh, a million bucks, and I said to you, spend it how you like, you'd think, wow, what's the first thing I'm going to do? Uh, Commodore V8, eh? No. <laughs> it's, like, it's like sometimes in my, in my uh, days when I'm not so 
uh, Christian Lee. I, uh, <laughs> I get those days. Um, then I think, what would I do if I won the lotto? So then I think, okay, I'll give God 10%. Because I, I imagine, say I won 20 million. Okay, so I'll give God 2 million. And then I figure out that if I spent a million bucks a, a month for the rest of my life, I could never outspend the interest that money would earn. And I gave God 2 million bucks. I was generous, eh? You understand where this is going? God has given you everything. He's given you life. He's given you liberty. He's given you the strength to get wealth. He's given you health. Sometimes not so much. But you understand He's given it to you. And all He's saying, He's saying, use it responsibly. Use it responsibly. And we've heard, we've heard people speaking this morning, saying, this is God's voice to you. I love you. I want you to grow. I want you to be strengthened. The worship was amazing. And it's all aimed at saying to us, take God at face value. Take the fact that He did it all for you and use it responsibly. You know, we think that... I get so carried away with this because... God is so awesome. How can you say, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you the honest answer I have. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that God is good and He loves us. And that somehow, somewhere, He works things out. One of my favorite scriptures is Romans 8, 28. It's very simple. It says, all things work for good. To them that love God and are called according to His purpose. So even though we don't see the end, and even though we don't see how this all fits together, He has a plan and a purpose. A lot of people say, as a Christian, why should I find out what God's purpose for my life is going to be? It's going to be what it's going to be. Well, it's like if you're driving a car and they say to you, I would like you to go to Gnawar and Garap and you don't have a GPS, do you think you're going to find Ganauer and Garap? It's a real place. I may be pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> do you guys want to hear what I named that street when I first arrived here? It's, I think its real name is Nangara. I used to call it Ganangara. <laughs> Whatever it is, but Oh, Father God, thank you for your mercy. Hey. But you see, if and that's why, with a GPS, we can type in G-W-A-N-G-W-E-R-U-P, and we get there. And that's exactly how God is. He wants to get us there. He's not about giving us dim, indeterminate destinations. He wants us to get there. You know, if discipleship was a continuum on a straight line, this, and it started over there in infinity and it ended there in infinity. So many people stay right here. So many people stay right here. Whereas God says, grow in me. And in growing in him, we begin to see the riches of his glory. It's like that same analogy of the car and the GPS. Unless you do, the GPS says, turn left into high street. You just you, And you're staying where you are. Are you going to see anything differently? 
No, you're just going to see where you are. But if you take the bold move of faith and you move, you go around the corner and you say, wow, I didn't see this was here before. And life in Christ is exactly the same. You know, a lot of people say, you must read your Bible, you know, and it becomes a, you got to do it thing. I read it because I'm just, I want to find out what's on the next page. What's the next thing? Because the word of God says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. But so we open up our Bible and it says in Malachi, and I've got to take my specs, it says, uh, says the Lord Almighty, my covenant was with him a covenant of life and peace. Oh, okay, so what? You know what I mean? But if revelation hits that, you start thinking, but I have a covenant in Jesus Christ. His blood is the new covenant. It's a new testament for me. You understand? And then as, as you get understanding, the word of God says, we need to gain understanding. We need to gain it. Anyway. See, God is an extraordinary God who uses ordinary people. From the beginning to the end, in the Bible, God says, Fran, I love you. Jeff, I love you. Edie, I love you. Mahalia, I love you. Caleb, I love you. He says it in the Bible. We just have to be sensitive to it. But he says it all the time. I love you. And his second thing he says is, I want to walk with you. I want to walk with you. I'm going to give you a little example. It's not in my thing, but I think it's appropriate. pencil mark is you and my hand is God and I close my hand are you ever lost no you're never lost so many people have been Christians for 10 15 20 years and they say I don't know where God is and I'm saying don't you feel the pressure don't you feel it because it's there. His word says, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. I hold you. And it's not a hold of, I hold you. It's a hold of, we read those, uh, whoever saw that one many years ago about the butterfly. Uh, it says, if you love something, let it go. If it belongs to you, it'll come back. Only trouble is butterflies don't have homing devices. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. But, <laughs> but you understand, I'm so serious about this. People, you cannot miss the will of God in your life. You cannot. In Romans 8, and I better read it because I'm just going to mess it up if I don't. In Romans 8, 38, when you get old, your eyesight, you know, relief teachers have this problem. Uh, Romans 8, 37, it says... All right, 37 is great, but 38. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Inseparable. Earlier somewhere else, and somebody can help me, he says the gifts of God are irrevocable. He doesn't take them back. Once he gives it to you, it's yours forever. And so, 
I'm ending this morning asking you to believe that God is able. You see, the truth is, and, and if the band wants to play us a, a good song, that one about, that, that one is great. <laughs> you can check I'm getting old. I can't even remember the song. <laughs> but the one that's lacquer, you know. Um, it says here in my notes, you don't need to convince God. He is not the one who needs to be persuaded because his blessing is already on you. It is you who needs to persuade it that God has already given you your miracle. That is the reason you confess his word. To convince yourself, not to convince God. To persuade your heart, not his. And I'm going to end with a quote from Joseph Prince. It says, I am greatly blessed, highly favored, and deeply loved. And that's exactly how God feels about you. And so if this morning you feel you need prayer for anything, I'm sure the leadership of the church will be here to welcome you and pray for you because we all face challenges. All of us have lives that are tested. All of us need to grow in faith. All of us need to grow in belief. And all of us need to grow in the persuasion that God is able.